test one, two. Two, two, check. One, two, one, two. What's up, everybody? Make some noise in this place. Come on, you can do better than that. Make some noise. All right, here we go. This side say hey. This side say ho. Ready? Now everybody scream. <laughs> Man, you guys are awesome. Get up on your feet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm just excited. I'm just excited to be here, and I'm excited that you're here. Who was here for the first, the morning session? Make some noise. Man, y'all, I mean, I just felt the presence of God so thick, so heavy. We got an amazing word from Pastor Jared, and just the gospel, man. The gospel will change your life. Amen? So if you weren't here, the first service, it's okay. We're glad that you're here now. And just get ready to get whacked in the glory. Amen? Just get ready to get lambasted, holy ghosted, and toasted, and roasted, and all those roasted words. So right <laughs> you guys are looking at that. You guys are looking at me like, who is this clown? Oh, praise the Lord. I don't even know. Adam, what? You're probably regretting why you asked me up here. Like, brother, can you can you like hype people up? I'm like, sure. Man, I, I just want to tell you guys that God has something in store for you. It is no coincidence that you're here. There's no coincidence in heaven. You are here, and God is going to speak to you directly. He's going to give you a word. He's going to encourage you. He's going to empower you by His Spirit. And I'm just glad that you're here. So just just raise up your hands right now. Close your eyes and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we know you're here. We don't have to call you down. We don't have to shout you down, God. Your presence is here where two or three are gathered in my name. You said, Jesus, you are there. We feel you right now. Father God, I pray that every person in this place, every single one, from the little one, Father God, to the oldest one, would feel your presence would, would feel your glory, would know that they are a child of God and that you have a plan for them. Lord, we love you. Bless us this weekend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. Don't clap your hands this, this night. Come on. Come on, sing after me. I was made for love. Here we go. I was made for, I was made for, I was made for. I will we'll sing it out. Sing no one else. 
praising God. We're going to do it right. Amen. Come on. We're going to be jumping up. We're going to be running around the church. Don't run over everybody. Don't run over anybody. But right now, we're just going after God. Don't sick him up. Holy Ghost, sick up in the air right now. God, we believe that you have a purpose for us, God. And God, we've come to meet with you. Jesus, would you have your way in this time of worship? Come on. Just surrender him right now. Jesus, would you have your way? God, if your Holy Spirit makes me jump, I'm going to jump. God, if your Holy Spirit makes me run, I'm going to run. God, if your Holy Spirit makes me sing, I'm going to sing it out. Come on, we're going to shout it out. Ready for the real test run. Here we go. On the count of three, I want you to shout as loud as possible, okay? Not for me, not because I'm telling you, because Jesus is worthy, amen? So on the count of three, you ready? One, two, one, two, three, shout out. Place. 
in our own strength, God. Oh, because you're a good God. You are a good God to your people. Oh, if the devil's put in your mind that he's not a good God, I'm going to hear tell you today that he is a great and awesome God. Come on, he meets in your time of needs, even when you were a sinner. The Bible says that Christ, he loved us. We don't love because we're full of love. We love because he first loved you. Hallelujah. Come on, right now, this next song talks about God filling us up when we're dry. How many of us have been dry before? I know I have. Come on. As we sing this song, you're going to see the words in the script, but I want you to cry out to God and say, God, I want you to fill my thirsty heart. Anybody thirsty for Jesus in this place? Be thirsty for him. If you desire him. Come on. Let's start right now. God, fill my thirsty heart. You say your word, all who are thirsty, all who are hungry. You said, come to the river. Come on. So, God, we come right now and worship. Sure. 
ourselves the devil so he knows that but we do just as well as him so many times in our lives and our own failures and our own shortcomings we're like man this is not working out Jesus you don't love me anymore God I'm a mess God I'm messed up you probably don't love me anymore you probably don't want to love me anymore you may be facing something right now and you're saying God this is not gonna turn out good God with my family God, in my situations, it's not going to turn out good. This is what we're singing right now. You make all things beautiful just in time. Come on. How many people here are going to surrender into the Lord, into his timing, into his path, into his molding, into his shaping of your character? Come on. We're going to sing this chorus again and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Come on. The Bible says that he's a counselor. Let him minister unto you right now. Come on. We're going to sing this again.
time with your prayers right now. Come on, it's okay to talk to the Lord in this time of worship. Come on, I'm going to give you about a couple of minutes right now. This is what we're going to do before moving to this next song. I don't want you to make it a whole bunch of karaoke. This is us, our hearts of God. Right now, I want you to pray to God. God, search my heart. This is where I'm at, Lord. Come search my heart. Come change me. God, come mold me to your character. Make me more like Jesus. Come on. Just begin to pray right now. You seek your face, Lord. You seek your face, oh God. Yeah, yeah. 
Lord, is he worth your life? Come on, is he worth it all? You are worthy. Come on, is he worthy of your family? Come on. Is he worthy of your future? Come on, your relationships, your sin. Is he worthy? Is our Lord worthy for you to sing it out? you with you got to be ready to say God I give it to you don't come before me I'll be coming before you God
shy, don't be intimidated. It might be your first time sharing. If you feel the word of the Holy Spirit in your heart, just be blessed. Come on, just speak it out right now.
someone's going to grab it, don't grab anybody's hand. But this is what we're saying. In order to go deeper, God has to take you there. Who knows the mind of God except for the spirit of God? If you want to go deeper, you're not going to get there on your own. Come on right now, it's an attitude to say, God, come hold my hand. Come lead me in all that I do. in just a moment but I want you to get out your journal and if you're new tonight you didn't come to the morning session your journal is basically the extra notes you have in the back of this uh, pamphlet we've given you so I would just ask even with the band if Rachel she could just stay up here that you guys would get that out and would you guys do me a favor on the sides? Can you guys kind of scrunch in here? That would be really good and helpful for us. Thank you. Take your time with that. Not in a hurry. If anybody remembers the last winter retreat, what happened? We asked somebody to move. It got a little messy, but that won't happen this time. <laughs> like inside joke, you remember. Thank you, youth. Appreciate that. It just helps the speaker today. Thank you. I was going to give you a high five. I want you guys to write out right now what is God speaking to you at this moment in this worship service. What is God speaking to you right now? Come on, let's give you a hug. Thank you, Jesus. Wrap your arms around these young ladies today, Father, in your precious name. I want you to wrap, uh, write down what's God speaking to you in this worship time. For some reason, I'm all about atmosphere. Can we shut off these main lights again? Because I'm not ready to transition yet. I just want this to be kind of a quiet time between you and God right now. Would you just kind of sing what you feel in your spirit? Do you have that in you right now, sister? 
Come on, just whatever you feel in your spirit. God is speaking to your heart. What's going on in your life right now? As those of you are finished and you just want to meditate on what I'm going to talk about, you can open up to 2 Kings chapter 5 and start to read and just meditate on that. But I want to give you guys just a few more moments. Because God's been waiting to get you in this place. God's been wanting to bring you here. He's been wanting to have a one-on-one with you just feel that in my spirit. God's just been saying, I've been waiting for this. I've been counting down the hours to be with you right here. To be with you right now. That's just what I hear God telling me. He's like, Joe, I've just been counting down the hours. Just waiting to get you here. Where you could shut down everything. 
just be alone with me. Oh, I say yes, Lord. And I just want to even repent before some of you here because that's what God's speaking to me. And since I'm the one always with the mic, why not be the loudest right now, right? I just feel the Lord telling me He doesn't want distractions of ministry to take His place. And I'm just soaking that in right now. This is just where He wants me. At rest with Him. What's God saying to you? You don't have to tell me, but what's he saying? Write it down. What does it mean to be here this weekend right now for you, you know? Like the way I was sharing it this morning with the, um, the first session, it's like I feel God wants to lift open the blinds of our rooms and shine his light in. So many times we get used to seeing things a certain way, And we think like, you know, God can't do a miracle here or God doesn't want to change this. You know, this is normal now. And I feel it's like times that we get alone with God like this. He's like, man, I can change that whole situation. Boom, I can do it right now if you'll let me. Like I can change your family right now if you'll let me. I can change your attitude right now if you'll let me. I I can change you from being depressed to happy right now if you'll let me. See, I'm still a pastor that believes one moment with God can change your lifetime. I mean, I know it's corny sometimes, and and, and we, we, we put it up as scriptures on our Facebooks, you know, like, you know, don't give up, you're on the brink of a miracle. You know, we'll put that up there, but then in our heart, we're like, oh, man, that thing is too far away for me, you know. I'll put that on my friend's Facebook, but I don't know about my thing. I don't know if God's going to give me a breakthrough. That's good for somebody else. Do you know that one time when I was uh, at the lowest point of my life, God told me to go out into the streets and preach, and so I went out to Belmont and Clark, and when I was out there preaching, I met a homeless person. And they had committed crimes. And they'd, you know, go in and out of jail. And they were wanting to do drugs. And they were selling their body into homosexuality. And you know what? When they told me their whole list of problems, you know what I said to them afterwards? I just instantly just blurted right out. I go, God can change you, man. And I meant it. Like, seriously, like I meant it with everything in me. It didn't matter this guy had been doing drugs. It didn't matter this guy had been in and out of jail. It didn't matter if he was involved in homosexual prostitution. Like, I literally believe this moment, right now, if he would believe God, God could change his life. And I went back in my car. And Jesus said to me, why don't you believe I can do that with you? And then I got this revelation. God even wants to change pastors. Remember when I told that with you, shared that with you? It was like, God even wants to change pastors. It's like, man, he still wants to do something great in me. It's not over. We're we're seeing something new in our church. We're seeing something new in our lives. A lot of babies are being born. Why not something new in your marriage, your life, your job, the way you look at things, right? Can God do something that big tonight that when you walk out of these doors, you're never the same again? Does our God do stuff like that? Amen. Let's give it up for Rachel. Let's bless the Lord for her. Thank you so much. Would you turn on the lights for me, please? I want to share with you before we go into our message. Um, 2 Kings chapter 5. 
I want to prepare your heart for today and kind of MC these uh, series that we've been going through, but we've put this into your hands as a uh, pamphlet to write down your notes and to journal and to really get a, a grasp on what God is doing here. And it, the whole series is going to be about the gospel. We heard from Pastor Jared this morning. Let's give it up for him. Didn't he do awesome? Amen. Awesome job grasping the gospel. All of this is recorded, by the way. So whatever you don't get here, you can get online and then go through the notes. Tonight, my hot preacher woman is going to be preaching growing in the gospel. Amen. And then giving the gospel tomorrow morning. And then we'll do uh, getting the most out of the gospel in the afternoon, Saturday. And then Sunday, the God of the gospel. So you got it all here. And that's the way that we feel you can get the most out of this conference is by taking the notes, coming to all the sessions, and really just keeping this, you know, with you for the rest of your life. And by the way, we'll actually put it on PDF with our videos in case you ever lose it or your tears kind of, you know, get on it and blot out some of the ink. You know what I'm talking about when the tears come down. I've ruined some pages out of my Bible that way, honestly, just reading them and tears coming down and all that. Turn with me to uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Awesome. It says, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Everybody say leprosy. Thank you. He had leprosy, so that means that his skin had, uh, you know, like a disorder, and it can cause the skin cells to die and parts of the body to fall off. We've seen this in uh, India. It's really sad what happens, and a lot of times they put them in leper colonies. And so if you can imagine how hard it is today to have leprosy, what it would have been like, you know, two or 3,000 years ago, his life was basically going to be over. He was going to be exiled somewhere. He was not going to be a happy camper, okay? So he has leprosy. Now watch here, verse 2. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive of a young girl from Israel, and she served Nahum's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet, everybody say the prophet, come on, who was in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So Nahum went to the master, uh, went to his master and told him what the girl from uh, Israel had told him. By all means, go, the king said. Uh, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Nahum left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. So the bottom line is, this king, from, uh, this commander from another country has leprosy. He's uh, basically talking to a slave girl. She says, I know how you can get cured. you got to go see the prophet. And so he goes and brings some money and clothes and goes to, this, uh, to go see the prophet. Now, uh, verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message, said, why have you torn the robes? And so they get into this discussion, and they basically find out that he has leprosy. Look at verse 10. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Everybody say seven times. Thank you. So this is what the prophet says to him. He goes, hey, man. We got the Jordan River over here. I lived in New Orleans for seven years, like the Mississippi River. It's kind of dirty. Everybody go dirty. Okay, they call it the dirty south for a reason, y'all. Okay, so I mean, so he's like telling them, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. And this is like telling somebody out there, go dip yourself seven times in the Mississippi. You walk down over there, you see cans floating by. Like, it ain't a pretty river, okay? Verse 11, Nahum gets mad and angry. And he said, I thought surely you would come out and call on the name of your God and wave your hands over the spot and cure me of this leprosy. And he said, aren't Abana and, and uh, Parpar, I'm going to guess, how, Farfar? 
Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, aren't they better than this rivers? Couldn't I wash in them? So he turned and went off in a rage. So he's like, dude, I'm not washing in this dirty river. What are you talking about? Shouldn't you come here and wave your hands over me and you know, and call on your God and that will be the miracle? Or shouldn't you tell me to go to these beautiful lush rivers, you know, like some beautiful lush river around here? I can't even think of one. But there's some beautiful lush river in the Midwest that I can probably think. What's a beautiful lush river? No one knows of lush rivers in Chicago. That's okay. So go to the Chicago River, that lush river. I could go there. And so the bottom line is he doesn't want to do it. And so then this is what really happens here that I really want you to kind of get uh, what's, what's going on is that the, uh, the servant tells the king, he tells him, he says, wouldn't you do anything extreme that the prophet would have told you? And he goes, yeah, I would do any of the extreme stuff he told me. So he then said, why don't you just do the simple thing that he tells you? Why don't you just dip yourself in this river? And if you can look down to verse 20, uh, you can see it right here. Look at verse 20. It says, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, or or excuse me, uh, we have the money uh, exchange in here. He says, In verse 15, then Nahum and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know there is no God. Oh, excuse me, let's go up to verse 14. I lost my spot here. Please forgive me. Um, Let me just see here. Couldn't I have washed and cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Okay, verse 13, Nahum's servants went to him and said, my father. Here we go, verse 13. If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than where he, when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God said. Everybody say, man of God. Man of God had told him his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So listen, because this man's servant told Nahum, he goes, dude, listen. Listen, if you would have been willing to do the craziest thing he would have told you to do, Why won't you do the most simplest thing he told you to do? So finally, this man goes, okay, man, if dipping myself in this dirty Mississippi is going to make me clean, he's like, I'm going to put on the little shower cap. I'm going to go out there and dip myself in that thing. You you all tracking with me right here? He did it. Somebody say he did it. Now watch this. There are people in religion that will tell you, you know, fast 40 days during Lent and say the Our Father five times and kiss this little cross and crawl on your knees and go to the water-stained bridge of Fullerton and put some flowers underneath it, and you'll get a miracle. And there's people that are willing to do that whole thing. Go confess a sin to a man, go kiss a cross, say far, our, five Our Fathers, and go put a flower pot underneath a water stain under a bridge. Am I telling the truth? There, there are people in ashrams right now doing yogi, and they're saying if you do the broken butterfly for 10 minutes, you know, you're going to get changed on the inside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, broken butterfly? No, I don't think they got to move like that, but you know what I'm talking about. Or, or they say, you know, if you sit and meditate, um, you're, you're, your life's going to change. Or if you go to a church and we just shout hallelujah the whole time and you start clapping your hands, you're going to get a miracle, shout amen. Somebody say amen. amen. You're going to get your miracle. Look at your neighbor, slap them upside the head and say your miracle is on the way. After you give $1,000 in this offering, your miracle is coming. But you need a $1,000 seed to get you there. If you just put a $1,000 in this offering, your miracle is coming. 
And there's people who do it. Dude, those people got TV commercials. I'm like, I'm preaching the truth, and I ain't got a TV commercial. How in the world does this guy have a TV commercial for the holy cloth? Anybody ever seen the holy cloth? How do they have a TV commercial? Because somebody paid for that. Now, let's put it in real terms right here. If I said to everybody right here, you can have a miracle if you read the whole Bible. Some of you would be so desperate for the miracle, you would read your whole Bible front to back. If I said to some of you, you could have a miracle if you stopped watching TV, you would stop watching TV. We could tell you there's big things you could do to receive a miracle, and many of us here would do it. I know I've tried those things. I have. I went on a 10-day fast one time for a young boy to get out of a wheelchair. I said, God, I want this young man to walk, and I didn't eat food for 10 days. And I wish that that young man would have walked, but he didn't. So you know what I did? We literally fasted for 10 days. We then had a miracle service. He didn't walk. And then I said to the church, let's go on another 10-day fast. And I went on another 10-day fast. And as I about crushed the entire people and their spirit, God said, stop trying to do it like that. You won't earn a miracle from me. But you know what God told us to do for miracles? He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Now, I want to prepare your heart for this service that's coming to you today because we're not going to ask you to do something great. We're not going to ask you to try to run around the building to get your miracle. We're not going to ask you to have $1,000. We're not going to ask you to go on some 20, 40-day fast. That's okay if you want, but I'm fasting from fasting right now, okay? So that means I'm feasting. If you can tell, I got a lot of muscle. I've been praising the Lord, amen, starting off the new year right. Praise Him. Now, this is what we're going to teach you, though, to have faith in God. Now, you might say, oh, faith in God. Come on, Pastor. It's got to be more complicated than faith in God because I already got that. Do you really? Because I think a lot of what we call faith in God is really just wishing. We don't understand biblical faith. Biblical faith is in God's word. So do you have a promise from God in his word? Biblical faith has perseverance. That means you don't give up when it doesn't happen the first day. Read 1 Peter. It says every time you have to wait another day for the thing you're believing God for, you have strength given to you because perseverance strengthens your faith. So what I want to share with everybody here today, if you're with me and you want to see a breakthrough, we're not asking you to do anything other than what God himself asked you to do. Can you stand to your feet with me? Come on, somebody stand to their feet with me and get excited right here. I want you just to take a few moments before I introduce the woman of God. And would you just ask the Lord today to increase your faith right now? Come on, just say, Jesus, you gave me something simple to do. Come on, increase my faith, God. Come on, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we will look to these messages as that simple thing that you're giving us to do, Father God. Lord, you're not telling us to do a whole bunch of complicated things. You're telling us just to believe in you. You're telling us to put our trust in you, Father God. As the word comes forth this evening, Father, I pray we don't look for something that is complicated, something that needs to have ten steps, Father God. But, Lord, I pray we hear your word, and as we hear your word, faith comes into our heart. And because of that faith, God, our lives are transformed, Father. And that, God, we will never, ever be the same, Father. That every person here that's believing for a miracle will put their faith in you today, Father that will not look to that circumstance being bigger than what they see in uh, what their faith is. God, I pray their circumstance will seem small and their faith will become great today, Father. 
in your precious name, in Jesus' name, can everybody say amen, amen. I want to introduce to you as you're standing up, let's bless the woman as she comes, Nancy Wyrostek. Amen, amen. Welcome, everybody, to our second session. The title of this session is Growing in the Gospel. How many of you guys came expecting God to do big things in your life tonight? Come on, I'm believing that if those, that there are people in this room, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, that you will be saved tonight, that tonight is your night to let go of the things that hold you back and get right with God. I am believing for those that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit that tonight you get filled with the fire of God. I'm believing for those that need their lives to be transformed from the inside out. You need shackles to be broken off of your arms and off your feet that tonight freedom will come into your life. Come on. I want you guys to shout out right now. Call things that are not as though they were. What are you guys expecting God to do just right now on a count of three? One, two, Three, everybody lift up your voice all across this room. Lift up your hands and say, Jesus, fill me up. Jesus, I want the fire. Jesus, I want freedom. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you. There's a certain level of an expectancy that when you come into the presence of God, you are going to believe that he's going to do what he promised to do in your life. Amen? So if you came hungry, I just want you to know that he's going to fill you up. I want you guys to turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And before we do, I want to pray. Open us up in prayer. God, we thank you for tonight. God, I pray that you transform us from the inside out. I pray that you expand our capacity to feel you, to embrace you. I pray that you dig deep into the wells of our heart, God, so that rivers of living water would rush out. I thank you, Jesus, that you are here. Lead and guide this service. I pray that you would touch each and every person right now in their heart to know you in a more intimate way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Let's read it together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Somebody say, holy and faithful. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of all the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel, say this gospel, is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. We're going to be focusing on verse 6 of this passage of Scripture. But before we do, I want to define to you tonight the gospel. The gospel is the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation 
by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I want to have that soak in into your mind a little bit right now. I don't want to brush over this. This is the gospel that we are presenting to you. Growing in the gospel means that you want to grow in what this is. It is the good news that Jesus left the glory of heaven, came down to bring salvation to humanity by the grace of God through our faith in him. And that good news is what has been growing all around the world. It is bearing fruit. And Paul here in Colossians, he is writing to a congregation in the city of Colossae, and he's telling them all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing just as it has been doing among you since you heard it and understood it. So I want to give you some background information on the church in Colossae. This letter, like I said, was written by Paul to the Colossians. Colossians are the people that lived in Colossae, like Chicagoans. We live in the city of Chicago. He did not um, establish this congregation himself, and the, most of the members of this church he actually did not know. But the reason why he had such a close connection with this church in Colossae was because it was in the same Roman province, um, that Ephesus was the capital in. And Paul labored in the city of Ephesus for over two years. And so as he labored there, as he preached the gospel there, there were people from all the other surrounding areas like Colossae that would come under his preaching and get saved. And those people would then go back to their areas and plant churches and spread the gospel. So the mission work in Colossae was done by a man named Epaphras. Everybody say Epaphras. Epaphras had probably gone to Ephesus. He was under the teaching of, of uh, the gospel through Paul. And afterwards, he returned home to Colossae and started a congregation there, uh, most likely under Paul's guidance. And so the church there was established by Epaphras. And this letter is being written to them by Paul, bringing encouragement to them. Okay? So I want you guys, as Metro praise tonight, I want you to, to make this personal to you. Imagine... Okay, your pastor writing to you a letter who's far away from you and saying, listen, guys, this gospel that you have believed in, this gospel that has been established in your city, that you understood uh, the message that was being preached to you, it's growing all around the world and it's bearing fruit. Be encouraged. Stick with it. Don't give up. So my question to you this, uh, tonight is, are you personally bearing fruit and growing? Because this gospel all around the nations is growing. Africa, people are coming to salvation, coming to altar calls by the millions. India, China, all experiencing revival. Why? Because they're responding to this good news that Jesus came to save them. And they're bearing fruit and they're seeing miracles and lives are being transformed. So my question to you is, are you bearing fruit and growing? And if the answer is no, my challenge to you tonight is to give your life to Jesus so that you can be put into position so that you can grow in the gospel. And if you are saying, yes, I am growing and I am bearing fruit, I want to ask you, how are you growing and bearing fruit? 
The reason why this gospel is spreading all across the world is because the word of God is living. It is active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. This gospel, this good news is alive. It is the spirit of God going into all the earth, bringing all men unto salvation That is the good news. That is what we want to continue to grow in and bear fruit in, all for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look at how Jesus said we would even be able to bear fruit. If you turn with me in your Bibles, please, in John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And I want us to understand through the words of Jesus himself, how serious he was about us as believers. How serious he was about the, the, the idea of bearing fruit and growing. Because he gave, he came to die on the cross, but that wasn't it. He came and died and he rose again so that we can live abundant lives for him. So we can see his kingdom come to this earth. John chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Let's stop right there for a moment. He is telling his disciples here. He's giving them an illustration about how he is the vine and his father is the gardener. And as his father is looking for fruit on the vine, if he, sees a, if he sees a branch that doesn't have fruit, it just gets cut off. How serious do you take that in your personal life? In your relationship with God, you have to understand that your relationship with him needs to change and go from glory to glory. And we're going to look at how personally you guys can grow in different areas. But I want you to take a personal inventory of your life right now as we're going through this Bible verse because it is very, very important to Jesus that you as a Christian, as a believer, that you bear fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we understand that this concept of bearing fruit and growing is all stemming from our relationship with Jesus. We can't walk away. We can't turn our back on him and think that we can do it all by ourselves. We have to stay close to Jesus. So we're going to go through these next four points, and I made it very simple for you in the notes there. We're going to follow the acronym for the word GROW. Somebody say GROW. How many of you guys want to grow tonight? You want to get to another level with your relationship with God. Come on. So our first point here for the letter G is get rid of the idols in your life. When you first give your life to Jesus, you are coming just as you are. You're laying down the, the sins that have hold you back. And as you begin this relationship with Jesus, there are things that take his place. How many of you guys, by the show of hands, have allowed things of this world And they could be good things. You've allowed them to take the place of Christ. So I want to challenge you tonight. Get rid of those idols that hold you back. In Acts 19, 
18 through 20. You don't have to turn there. But it is up on the screen here. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. This happened in the city of Ephesus, where I mentioned earlier, Paul labored there for over two years. Many signs and wonders and extraordinary miracles happened through the hands of Paul. And there was a situation that brought about this revival where people were seized with the fear of God and they believed they wanted to turn to this faith. Many Jews and Gentiles came and said, I want to follow Jesus. And the first thing that they did was they confessed their evil deeds and they burned up these uh, this, these scrolls that had to do with witchcraft right in the middle of the city. They burned them publicly and they said, I'm going to leave that and follow Jesus. And many of you are here tonight. You have, may have been serving the Lord for a short time or you may have been serving the Lord for a longer period of time and there have been things in your life that you have, li- that you have idolized and elevated before Jesus and they're choking out the word of God in your life. And I want to take a look at maybe some of the few obvious ones, okay, that usually in this to- topic of, a, of a, a point here of idols, it's usually mentioned. So my first thing uh, as an example to you would be your job, okay? So many people in this life idolize their job because that's all about the money, okay? Money, 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 money. We cannot idolize our job and elevate it above what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. We cannot put our hope in our job. We cannot put our hope in our finances. And so if your job is taking a toll on you, if your job is taking you away from growing in the Lord, or you're allowing things there to choke out the word of God, I pray tonight that you realign your priorities and say, Jesus, I will not allow my job the way I make my living to dictate who I am in you and allow that place to become an idol and to put my trust in that over my trust in you, Jesus. Your family, whether it's your spouse or your children, and we love our husbands and our wives and we love our children, but we cannot idolize them. We can't lift them up before Jesus and have them take all of our attention only. And of course, we have to take care of our family. But in your devotion and your attention, you have to make time for the Lord. You have to come to Jesus and say, God, you are my everything. You are my all in all. I don't only live for my family. I live for you first. And that's it's exemplified in your life by being faithful to going to church on a weekly basis and making time to pray and read your Bible and allowing your family to see Christ growing in you. So do not allow your family, the gifts that God has given to you, become your idols. Because in Matthew 10, 37-38, Jesus is very clear about the position that we are supposed to take between our family and him. And it says that anyone who's, who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus will require you to give up everything to come and follow him. And it's not in the sense of you neglect things. It's in the sense of, Jesus, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. 
I will be obedient to the call. I will be obedient to the things that you're asking me to do, regardless of the gifts that you've given to me around here. I'm going to put you first. Amen? How about the idol of, of your church or setting up your leaders as an idol? So many people through the years, you know, they come and they go, and it's like only the pastor can pray for me. Only the pastor can counsel me. Only the man of God, you know, can, uh, can pray for me and I can be healed. Do not idolize the men and women that God has placed in your life to lead you because you must go to him first. He is the one that you have to put your trust in. We are here to lead you, to guide you, to direct you, to disciple you. But we cannot be an idol in the sense of we become your salvation or the pastor becomes your hope or your life group leader becomes your miracle worker. No, it's Jesus. It's the power of God. So don't allow the people in your life that are over you, that are shepherding you to become your elder because it will stifle your growth in the Lord. He has to be Lord of everything. And we love you. Your pastors love you. Your leaders love you. But do not make an idol out of them because the same Jesus they've gone to time and time again is the same Jesus you need to learn how to go to because there's going to be situations in your life where there's not going to be five people around you to lay your hands on your head. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to need to lay hands on your own head and believe God to set you free. Believe God to heal you. And it doesn't mean you do it alone. It means that in those quiet times, in those desperate moments, when everybody's sleeping, there's no phone call to pick up, you have Jesus. And he has to be enough. He has to be enough. Because when you place a man or a woman of God as an idol in your life, what happens is you begin to become a man pleaser. Where you want to please the person in front of you and tell us all the things we want to hear. But you don't go to the throne of God and say, Jesus, I'm going to come to you first. I'm going to be real with you because you can't fake the funk with Jesus. Somebody say fake the funk. Okay. You can't fake the funk with Jesus. You come as you are and you go to him first before any man. And yes, there will be leaders in your life to counsel you, but you must go to Jesus. He is your Lord and master. How about the idol of comparison? In my opinion, this is one of the biggest hindrances to growing in the gospel because what you are saying to God is you didn't make me pretty enough. You didn't make me talented enough. You didn't make me smart enough. You didn't make me spiritual enough. You despise his creation of you, and you choke the word of God in your life that has taken root inside of your heart, and it stops growing. Stop playing the comparison game. Do not compare yourself to other people to the point where it becomes a hindrance in your life. Comparisons could be healthy to a point. When they become a matter of, I don't look good, my hair doesn't look like that, I don't dress like that, I can't sing that way, I can't pray that way, it will stunt your growth because you will not delight in God's creation of you because you were created wonderfully and uniquely and fearfully. And when you want to compare to something else that God created, and you tell God, you made them better than me. You despise what he has 
done in your life, the gifts that he wants to come into fruition inside of you. Get rid of it. The altar time is going to be a powerful time tonight, only to the point of how real you want to be with God. How real do you want to get with God? Because he's not going to force himself on you tonight. How about the idol of self? You think of yourself too highly. The Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Or some of you have low self-esteem. Stop thinking about yourself so much and think about Jesus. You are your biggest hindrance to growing in the gospel. You are your biggest hindrance to accomplishing what God has for your life because you're either going to be obedient to God or you're not going to be obedient to God. You're either going to think what he thinks about you or you're going to think less of what he thinks about you. And when you begin to think of yourself better, I could do this better, I could do that better, so-and-so shouldn't be doing this, then you have a pride issue. So I want you to take a couple minutes now before I go to my next point, and I want you to think to yourself, what idols do I need to get rid of? You could use the space in the book there for notes. And maybe they're not on this list. And I purposefully didn't choose things as idols here that could be considered sin. Your job isn't a sin. Your family's not a sin. Comparing yourself to other people could actually be a good thing. It could spur you on. It could challenge you to change and say, I want to be like that. I want to grow on that kind of level. It, it could spur you on to a healthy uh, desire to be closer to Jesus. And you yourself are not sin. But when we, when we abuse this and distort it, they take the place of Jesus and what he has said, and you idolize it, and you make this the truth. My second point, going now to R, remain in Jesus. Reflecting back on the passage in John where he talks about the, the vine and the branches, you have to remain in him. You were never called to just come to, to birth, okay? We can think of salvation, being born again, your decision to come to Jesus as your birth. You are born again. You are a newborn. But it doesn't end there. There's, there's steps to growing. And the only way that you are going to grow healthy is if you remain in Jesus. And his condition of remaining in you is that you would remain in him. Okay? Now, so many people, when they start living for the Lord, they're like, oh, I feel like Jesus left me. I feel like Jesus left me. Well, I'll tell you what. You probably feel that because you actually left him first. Now, of course, God is sovereign, and he's, and he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere, so he doesn't necessarily ever leave us. But for the sense of you growing in him and coming to the place where you're going to become all that he's called you to be, if you do not remain in him, you're like a half-baked cake. You will not continue to be changed in your character. You will not continue to grow in holiness. You will notice that your convictions are not as strong as they used to be. You see, by choosing every day to remain in Jesus, you are making a choice not to rely on your strength, but on his strength. Not to rely on your wisdom and power, but on his wisdom and power. Not to rely on your own plans for your life, but on his plans for your life. Remaining in Jesus is being intimate with him, staying close to him, practicing his presence every day through worship and reading the Bible. Because it's in these moments that you bear fruit. Your character changes when you're with him because you become more like him. You are who you hang out with. So if you want to be more like Jesus, 
You have to hang out with him more so that you can change from the inside out. And I want to just make it a little bit personal here and give you kind of my own uh, testimony of my journey with uh, times of me remaining in the Lord and being intimate with him in my daily devotions. Ever since I've became a mom, you know, my whole schedule has changed. And for you, it may be different uh, seasons of your life, whether you've got a full-time job or you're in full-time school. But for me, it shifted when I became a mother. And, of course, from one child to three children, it's a, it's a big deal. But, you ca- but I could never get away from knowing and having the conviction of my heart that somehow, some way, I need to spend time with Jesus every single day. Because I cannot be the woman of God or the wife or the mother that he wants me to be if I don't remain in him with intimacy. And I just want to let you know that my husband, as the head of my home, guards my time. So there is an hour of my day, and it's usually after the kids go to bed because I am not a morning person, okay? I don't know about you, but I cannot, like, you know, alarm clock, 4 a.m., that's not me. I'm sorry. I will sleep. I will, like, keep giving uh, Lucas, like, Bobo, Bobo, like, give me five more minutes. Just go back to bed, please. I Just five more minutes, okay? So when they're up, it's like I'm up, like, give me some time, you know, taking the boogers out of my eyes and all that stuff. So I'm, I try, I've tried to be that. Proverbs 31, you know, you wake up before everybody wakes up in your house. I'm just not that. I'm not there yet, so pray for me, okay? So my time is at night because I am a night owl. I'll stay up till midnight if I have to, and then I'll suffer in the morning. So anyways, so, so my husband guards that time, and I want to encourage every husband in this place to guard your wife's time with the Lord because she needs it. And women, guard your husband's time with the Lord. However you have to get it, get it, Okay? So when Joe tells me, I'm going to go spend some time with Jesus now, I'm going to go on a prayer walk, I say, Jesus, just touch him. You know, if he's going to go in his room, you know, some of you ladies, if you're going to see her husband go into his room, wherever his prayer closet is, you know, just go grab the oil after, after he's in there, just kind of anoint the door, you know. Jesus, talk to him, change him. But it's a beautiful thing when your husband is spending time with the Lord because you know, Okay, he's going to be a man of God who fears the Lord, is going to seek wisdom and counsel to run your family. So how do we make this practical? Some of you in this room are, are afraid to make time to get to know him, to study his character. Is that you? You're scared to seek his wisdom and guidance because of what you think he might tell you. It might not be something that you want to hear. So you just kind of avoid it and play the spiritual card. Coming to church does not make you intimate with Jesus. That's just one part. It's what you do Monday through Saturday that determines if you're growing in the Lord. Because anybody to come to church, the lost come to church. But Monday through Saturday, how are you growing in Jesus? How are you making intimate time with him for him to change you? Because when you're with him, pride turns into humility. Feelings of jealousy subside. If you deal with jealousy, they melt away. Why? Because you're with Jesus. And some are just uncomfortable of simply being with him. Is that you? Are you uncomfortable in his presence? Maybe it's because you haven't been real. The Bible says that he desires truth on the inmost part. See, he knows you. He wants you to get to know 
the stuff that you're dealing with on the inside and tell him about it because he knows it's there. So that kind of power, the kind of power that comes through intimacy with Jesus, that boldness, the power to live a holy life, it doesn't really often get developed. You know that picture on Facebook? It says, be the kind of Christian that when your feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh, no, they're up. Guess what? Don't fake the funk on Facebook and just be a Facebook Christian because everybody could post that. You want to be that kind of Christian? Spend time with Jesus. Remain in his word. Get to his presence in your house, not just when you come here, and have him tell you everything he thinks about you, the good stuff and the bad stuff. Because that kind of Christian, when you wake up and you want that kind of power, you've been with Jesus. If you want the devil to say, oh, no, when you wake up, you you better have some glory on your life. That intimacy that has flown from the throne room where the glory of God is so thick on you that no demon in hell can stop what God has planned for you. Now, that kind of intimacy, that power that gets cultivated will only come if we face the truth of who God reveals to us about ourselves. So you have to get a hold of your thoughts about your past, your future, even your thoughts about God. He loves you, but he is not willing to leave you in your mess. Say, God won't bless my mess. So you have to come to him, remain in him. Because it doesn't matter what title, what position you have in the church. Every one of us has a need to get the junk out of the trunk sometimes. He is always ready and waiting to change us from the inside out. If you think in this place that you don't have pride, that's the number one sign that you have pride. Okay? You don't have pride? Oh, yeah, you do have. You probably have the most pride out of everybody else because the people who are, have some sense of humility will admit, I have pride. I have pride. Do you have pride? I have pride. My husband will tell you I have pride. So let's be practical. No more wishful thinking. Like, I wish I had an hour to be with Jesus. I wish I had five minutes to worship at home. I only can do that when I'm at church, you know, and I need a band to lead me. No more wishful thinking about spending quality time with God, being intimate with your king. What do you do? You schedule daily private meetings with God. So I want you to take out your pen and paper as you have it right now. I want you to be real right now. Don't wish after you, you know, leave this meeting that, oh, I'll do it Monday after work, and it just never happens, and then two months pass by, and then somebody's going to preach a sermon like this again, and then next year comes around winter conference, and we're telling you, you got to grow, you got to grow, and you haven't spent time with Jesus. So what day, obviously it's going to be every day, but what part of your day are you going to set aside a private meeting with God? And when you do that, you talk to him about your problems. Before you pick up the phone, go to the throne, okay? Before you want to go to a friend and tell them how bad your day was and how messed up your family is, go to Jesus. Go to the throne room of God and lay your burdens at his feet and let him carry them for you. Face the truth he reveals to you about yourself. And trust that he is always working for you to live an abundant, fruitful life and powerful life. It's all about growing in him, guys. It's simple. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. Like, I'm, I'm going to give you 10 more things that you got to do. Just be with Jesus if you want to grow. Okay, get the junk out. Get the idols out. Get the sin out. And be with him. Amen? Oh, operate in the fruit and the gift. 
Operate in the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. Come on. Let's talk about the fruit for a little bit here. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, list the fruit of the Spirit. Before this passage, it's actually talking about the deeds of the flesh, how God does not want us to live. But when you are a born-again Christian living a God-filled life, trying to walk the walk that he wants you, he has given you fruit, character, the kind of character that he wants you to have, and it's available to you. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against, against such things there is no law. I heard an illustration once, and it really helped make this stick in my mind, where if you look at the, there's nine fruit of the Spirit, and there's actually nine gifts of the Spirit, and they actually go hand in hand together. But before we get onto the gifts, I want to give you this illustration of the fruit. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, love is the first one that's listed, and self-control is the last one that is listed. And you can take love and self-control, and they could be like the bookends to your book, and all the other fruit can be the pages in between. And the point to that illustration is if you have love and you have the self-control in your life, that self-discipline, all the other fruit in the middle will flow so much more easy. Because when you want to have an attitude with somebody and not be patient with them, love rises up and says, you love this person. And then self-control comes in and gives you the willpower to be patient. If you love your children, you'll be gentle with them, right? When you want to just spank them all day long and raise your voice, come on, I know I'm not the only one. Let's go to timeout. Let me give you a da-da. Okay, pow-pow, whatever you guys say. Love your children. Be gentle. Self-control gives you the willpower to do that. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists the gifts of the Spirit. And I don't have time in this message to tell you uh, how each one functions and the explanation and the definition of each one, but I do want to read it to you. If you want to write it in your notes so you can find it later, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. And there are nine gifts, manifestations of the Spirit. The first one is the message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, okay? And I want to give you some, um, some stories from my personal life and how I've been used in one of these. And the whole point of us, you know, operating, the, the important thing about us operating in the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit is because this is the kind of character that God wants us to have, okay? This is how he makes it possible, tangible for us to be like him, God is love. He is the prince of peace. Jesus is patient. So let's be like him. Let's be kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. And then these gifts he's given to us so that we can benefit the body of Christ. They're just not for you to keep and just kind of flaunt and say, I can prophesy or I can heal. It's for the body of Christ. He gives them to you so that you can use to bless others. Amen? So I was working... um, at the bank. I was at the bank for about f- almost five years uh, as we started this church, and there was one of my co-workers who had multiple miscarriages. I think she had about three back-to-back, and um, I was pregnant with Bethany at the time, 
And about three months later, we found out that she was pregnant. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, everybody was kind of nervous and not really knowing what direction this pregnancy for her would take. But she was hopeful. And I was on my lunch break downstairs in the cafeteria, and she comes to me with tears in her eyes, and she said, Nancy, I'm bleeding. And we had talked, you know, about her miscarriages before, and I just quickly took her into this kind of like an abandoned office. It was dark, and nobody used that office anymore. And I didn't have time to her to explain who Jesus was, you know, because she was Catholic. She obviously knew Jesus, but I didn't have time to her to explain how he heals. And, you, have, you know, you could have a relationship with him. When you talk to him and you ask him for things, he'll really do it. I just simply, I went to the other room. I laid my hands on her, and I prayed healing over her body and that God would save her, you know, save this pregnancy, hand, have this uh, baby that is in her womb, that he would protect it and allow this baby to grow. And later on, she, uh, she, you know, she went to the doctor and got the, the attention that she needed, and um, the baby lived. She was able to give birth to her first baby girl. And I give all glory to God because I do believe that in that moment, God used the gift of healing through me. And this lady is unsaved. There are so many people on your job that need you to intercede for them in your family, and it's a simple prayer. And at that moment of desperation, you don't have to take them through the salvation prayer. That should be a daily witness to them. Because she didn't go to my supervisor, okay? She didn't go to some other teller and say, hey, I'm bleeding. She came to me. I was on my lunch break. She was not on her lunch break. She knew where she needed to go, okay? Because she knew who the guy that I served. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, as I was leaving the altars here on a Sunday, I was led to pray for a young lady, and um, I was actually done. You know, everybody kind of had dispersed, no more altar workers here, and God just said pray for her because she was like right in front of me as I was walking that way, so I took her to the side, and I just kind of started asking questions because I have a relationship with this young lady, and I kind of wanted to get into her, into her heart. And I was just asking, like, the weirdest questions. I'm like, God, what, are, what, are, what am I saying? Where am I going with this? And so I kept asking and prodding just to, you know, get her to open up. No answer. And I said, okay, you know what? You don't have to tell me anything because I'm just going to pray, and Jesus will tell me. And that is exactly what happened. I started praying for this young lady, and everything that I said, all the questions that I had previously asked, and everything that I was saying through this prayer, God gave her a word. And it's everything that she wanted to express, everything that she was feeling, and everything that her, um, her family member had been sharing with her the weekend before. So I believe that that was a word of knowledge and wisdom, me speaking into her life, something that I could not have known that she was feeling, but God knew. So I want us to operate in that. I want each and every one of you to be hungry as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, be hungry to move in the gifts of the Spirit because the world is hungry for spiritual things. If you haven't noticed, there are a lot of unbelievers who have a spiritual hunger in their life, hence the reason why we have psychics, hence the reason people are chasing all this crazy nonsense stuff that has nothing to do with truth, nothing to do with Jesus. Why? Because the church has failed to feed their soul on the spiritual level. God has given us gifts to use for the world around us that is dying and going to hell. And you are that instrument of hope and healing and prophecy and words to be spoken into their life. A message from God. Something that nobody could have known. 
1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And the reason why love is put there first is because there has to be a level of your character being developed first before you get released into these gifts. Because what happen, what can happen is you could get so hung up on you being used in the gifts that you forget about doing it in love. Or you forget about allowing the fruit of the Spirit to come first. And then you just become a dictator and you think you know it all and, and you like are God himself, okay? This is something that we go about humbly. You can compare the fruit of the spirit to primer. If you want to, you know, paint a wall, okay, and let's say it's a bright, like, dark color, like red or something, there's no way that you can just go and get white paint and cover that red paint. You have to put a primer on there first so that the paint sticks. The fruit of the spirit is our primer, and the gifts of the spirit is the paint because you want your gifts to stick to your fruit because they have to flow together. Amen? There's a story of a pastor that was praying at the altars, and it was a powerful, powerful service. The Spirit of God was moving, and there was some young people there. They were getting ready to get just launched into the, the mission field. She, this one particular gir- girl that the story is about was going to um, be a full-time missionary, and this guest pastor that was brought in to do this conference was just moving around the altars, gifts flowing, and as he was praying, for one person, this next girl was this girl was next in line at the altar, and as he was praying for the first person, and he was making his way there, he said, "Tell her, I hate mommies and daddies." And he's and and the and the pastor's like, "Oh my gosh, what are you? What is that?" So he kind of just kind of brushed it off and passed over the girl and went on to the next person. So he's praying for the next person. God keeps telling him, "Go to that girl." And tell her, I hate mommies and daddies. He's like, now he's finally at the point where it's like, okay, I know, God, it's you. It's not my flesh. Like, why do I have to say that? You don't hate moms and dads, you know? So he went and prayed for somebody else. And God said, go tell her, I hate mommies and daddies. So after he finished praying for the third person, he goes to that young lady. And uh, he just says, God wants me to tell you that he hates mommies and daddies. And with a shriek coming out of her mouth, she fell to the floor. And the story goes that when she was younger, she was molested by a family member. And the game he played with her was called mommies and daddies. One prophetic word, one word of knowledge set this girl free. She had already been saved. She was going to be a full-time missionary overseas. And that area in her life had not been dealt with. Freedom, deliverance came that moment. Why? Because somebody was willing to be used and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. What has God been speaking to you to tell somebody? There are always opportunities for us corporately in this service to move on the gifts of the spirit. Every time we come together, there is a prophetic word. There's a word of exhortation. Something is always coming through. It's time for the same four to stop doing it. And for some of you guys to get some holy fire in your spirit and say, I want to be used. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. You have to grow in this. 
the gospel is spreading around the world because there's signs, wonders, and miracles that are taking place individually in people's lives, and it's causing wildfire across the nations. I want some of you to get a holy indignation inside of you that a wildfire will start inside your own belly. Get hungry for a move of God. It's the spirit of God. It's Pentecostal power that is inside of us. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because signs, wonders, and miracles follow. That is how the gospel is growing and bearing fruit all across the world. And it needs to grow and bear fruit in your lives as individuals. And W, win the lost. Proverbs 11.30 says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So if you're living for God and you're living a righteous life, the fruit in your life is like a tree. The lost can come to you and find something to eat. When Jesus was walking and he found a fig tree and he wanted to eat from it and he found no figs, he cursed it. And say, may you never bear fruit again. Because it had no fruit on its branches. We have to be righteous people with fruit on our tree. So that the hungry can come to us and eat. Because he who is wise wins souls. We have to bear fruit in our lives where the lost are continually being saved. Because what happens is you think that church is all about you and it's not about just you. He didn't save you to go to church. He saved you to start a verifiable uh, revival of a Holy Ghost, just wildfire in your city, in your high schools. He didn't just save you just so you can sit and take up a space in the church. He saved you so that you can go preach the gospel to other peoples because hell is real, my friends. And hell is a place of torment where you will be eternally separated from Jesus. It is full of darkness and pain and torment. Your memory never leaves you, and you know you will never leave that place. There is no hope. There is no peace. There is nothing. It's a place of hopelessness, and people die in, these, in our nation and around the world by the thousands every day. And I won't go into that point very much because I want to build that up for Adam because he's going to teach you tomorrow how you give this gospel. But I plead with you, and I speak this to myself, we must be hungry for souls. We have to have a desire to win the lost. They are dying all around us. It's as if we're seeing a building on fire, and we're hearing the cries, help, help, help. And we're just going around our merry day. Nobody calls 911. Nobody has enough sense to see if they can go inside and, and get somebody out. And there's people all around you in your work, and your family, at the grocery store, saying, help, help, help. And we're ignoring their cries for help. We have to be hungry, desperate, broken for the lost in this city. Chicago, again, is the most dangerous city in our country. When will it end? It's when a body of believers says enough is enough. I'm allowing this gospel to take root in my life, and I won't stop till Jesus comes back. Stand up to your feet with me, please.
I'm going to share with you a story of John Hyde. Band, if you could come up, please. John Hyde was a missionary to India, 1865 to 1912. If you could get a glimpse of his prayer life, you would see the tears streaming down his face and the agony and the conviction of his soul to pray for the lost. And his prayer was, oh, God, give me souls or I die. He was a missionary to India. His story is as follows. He was born in 1865 in Carthage, Illinois. He was a pastor's son. Him and his brother both attended seminary and both wanted to pursue the missionary call. His brother died unexpectedly at a young age. And so John Hyde was left to pursue it by himself. He felt a strong calling to the nation of India. And he began to spend hours and hours attempting to learn the local language And then the day finally came. In 1892, he boarded a steamer in New York bound for the nation of India. Seven years later, after being in that nation, he began to feel a burden to pray all night. During this time, he remembered that the Lord had shown him that the church was far below the the Bible standards. And he took on the burden to pray for others. How many of you guys believe that our church in America is far below the Bible standards? The more time he spent in prayer, the less his fellow missionaries understood him. He was even thought to be fanatical and extreme, yet was willing to be called crazy and face the religious opposition. How many of you guys can relate to to that? Religious opposition. Your family saying, well, you don't have to be that on fire. You don't really have to go evangelizing. I mean, what's the big deal? Just go to church on Sundays. How many times have people misunderstood? How many times are people misunderstood who obey God? From these times of intercession, history now refers to him as praying John Hyde. He won four souls daily by himself. He never married. He liked to lay prostrate on the floor. He would pray with people till. After he was done praying, he would clap his hands, dance, shout, and it was often filled with holy laughter. In March of 1911, he had to leave India 19 years after he stepped foot on that soil because his heart had moved from the left side to the right side and he needed medical attention. He arrived back in Carthage, Illinois, And February 17th, 1912, he died at the age of 47 years old. His last words were, shout the victory of Jesus. His life's desire could be summed up like this. A closer walk with the Lord through prayer, a life of holiness, and to reach the lost. Those were his desires. With every head bowed and every eye closed all across this room, I want you to think about these four areas that we just reviewed. I believe that the life desire of John Hyde himself sums it all up. Do you desire to walk closer with the Lord through prayer and intimacy? To live a life of holiness and to reach the lost? Growing in the gospel not a complicated thing. 
you have to want it. If you don't want to be free, then you won't be set free. If you think that you're going to be able to get rid of the idols in your life, or for some of you here today, this may be the first time you're hearing this message, this good news about Jesus living the, leaving heaven, leaving the glory of heaven, coming down to earth to save humanity. If this is your first time hearing this good news because you didn't hear Jared preach earlier, I plead with you, respond to Jesus today. God will give you the strength to get rid of the idols in your life, to make him number one if you ask him. So I want you guys to lift up your hands all across this room. And I want you to start talking to Jesus. And be real with him. Be real with him today. Because he already knows the turmoil in your heart. He already knows the things that you are going to say before you even say it. Come on. Tell him the things that you're going to get rid of. Some of you here, you're still dealing with sin sin that binds you, intentional sin that you keep falling in. Some of you guys got to need, you need to cut that at the root. Get rid of things in your life that are causing you to continually fall. Ask God to reveal things in your life that you've made into idols, things that you're putting your hope in instead of Jesus and his word and the promises that he's given to you. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, burn up everything in our lives that is not of you. Remove every hindrance, every sin that so easily entangles. Come on, if you want to be free, you're going to be free tonight. In just a couple minutes, we're going to start responding for each one of these areas. And we're going to allow Jesus to just loose the Holy Ghost in this place. But you have to understand that you have to come wanting. Come hungry for change. Come hungry for a transformation. Worship right now in the spirit. See, before we move on to more intimacy with Jesus, some of you really got to get serious about moving things out of your life. So if that is you tonight, as we get ready to go all out for God, chase after his glory, I want you to start coming up here one by one. Idols, idols that you need to let go. Come on, the city of Ephesus, almost as a whole, brought their scrolls of sorcery in the middle and set them all on fire. Some of you need to do that tonight. So that's the first thing that we're going to be responding to right now. As the band gets ready to worship and you make your way up to the front, it's you and Jesus. There is no altar worker coming up here yet. 
you come and you meet with Jesus and you get rid of all of the idols in your life that are choking God's word and stunting your growth. Come on, respond right now. Come on, man, let's go. You can take it all, you take it all. You just give me Jesus. Just you and him. Just give me Jesus. You can take it all, you take it all. You just give me Jesus.
that you will never be the same again. Come on. You'll never be the same again. Because these idols have been removed. Come on, praise him. Idols have been removed out of your life. Burned in the fire. He is your only lover. of you who are at these altars, I'll just ask you if you could just move in closer so we can make some space behind you. And if you could stand up to your feet, we're going to release the altar call workers in just a little bit. Because I believe that when you experience personally the gifts of the Spirit in display over your life, you're going to get hungry. When I first got saved, I got plugged into my church and plugged into the youth ministry there, and I had awesome youth pastors that discipled me and poured into me. My youth pastor's wife was a woman on fire. So many times she would pray for me. I would get words. It changed my life. If you have never had a word, spoken over your life, I want you to raise your hand because you're going to get one tonight. It doesn't necessarily need to come from a person, but you will see the gifts operated here tonight. Jesus. If my altar workers can start coming and getting behind people right now, please. We're going to go into the next area right now and pray for intimacy. Some of you guys need to get close to Jesus. Where you hear his heartbeat for you. Get to a place where you can just lay your head on his chest. Let him hold you. Where you stop acting. Stop trying to do. And just be. Just be with him. So if you desire that right now, I want you to lift up your hands before we move on to the gifts here. Just tell him, Jesus, I want to be intimate with you. I declare that today my times with you will not be removed by anything else on my schedule. I will meet with you. For those of you who want to respond to this part of the altar, to remain in Jesus through intimacy. So if you want to join us up here, please come. If you know you have not been faithful to the Lord in your devotions, and you call yourself a Christian and you've been coming to church, come forward. And guys, it's not about us right now. It's not about what leader is going to pray for me. That will come, okay? Let's focus on Jesus. Because when you leave here, we're not going to follow you home. So I'm not going to hype this up and get your emotions all riled up you know and that's that's all you remember is you've shed a couple tears and felt some goosebumps meet with Jesus here right now because I promise you when you get a glimpse of his glory you'll be so 
addicted to his presence that the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning the last thing that you do before you close your eyes at night is you have to talk to him you have to be in his presence you want to worship and be in his glory because everything fades away all the worries all the struggles everything melts away in the presence of the Lord it melts like wax so you encounter him here personally you will learn how to do that in your own time so if we could sing that one more time just give me Jesus and I want you to focus on how you're going to remain in him how will you remain in Jesus so when this conference is over and your notebook has been filled to the brim with all your notes and all the prophetic words and all the things that God does and it finds itself in some box or the trunk of your car, what will you walk away with here that God did in your spirit? Let's sing that. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Will you can take you take it all just give me jesus just give me jesus so much but you can take it all take it all just give me jesus oh every voice Appreciate it, Pastor Nancy's work. We bless the Lord. Amen.
we're going to go to another level right now. I'm going to ask that Lauren would come. She's just gifted in the prophetic. I don't want you guys to move. I want her to just to kind of release some gifts. If you have a word, she has a word. Berto, I want you to do a few. Kind of come up here as well. And my wife, I'm going to have three gifted in the prophetic right now. Pastor Berto, my wife. And we're going to kick it off with Lauren before we pray for you all individually. But I just want her to release some faith in here, starting with some of you just right now. And if they get a word, I want it to happen as well. Just these three for right now. Then we're going to release our altar workers because there's just a presence of the Lord here right now, okay? So just open up your heart. We're not putting her voice above God, but what we're saying is God's going to speak now, okay? you to know that you are the priest of your household, that you are the man that he's created you to be. There's so much despair. There's so much things, so many things going on in your mind, so much turmoil, so many things happening, but you have to know that God has your back. God has your back. Do not give up. Whatever the lies are telling you to give up, do not give up. You are the man that he created you to be. You can do everything with his power. And your blessings are coming. You continue to walk. Be the man that you need to be for your wife in your household. And your blessings are coming. Your blessings are going to shower down as you continue to be faithful. Do not be in despair. He's with you. you to know that brokenness is not weakness and you've been strong for your family when you come to him he wants you to be broken you don't have to be coming to his presence like a mighty warrior because it was the alabaster box that jar of perfume anointing oil in order for that to be released It had to be broken first. So for whatever reason you may feel, whether it's from growing up, you just have to have this hard exterior. So whether your family or your co-workers think you're strong and they know that you're strong, but it's okay to feel broken in the sense where you're coming to the Lord weak and you're saying, God, I can't do this by myself. So I just want you to know that when you come broken before the Lord, the anointing is able to pour out from your life and will transform and pour out to the ones around you. Brother right here and sister, just hold each other's hands real quick. I don't know much about you two, but I see you guys always come in and, you know, the past hurts. God wants to completely heal that. The past hurts. It has to be completely. 
absolutely healed. And the only way they're going to be healed is for surrender and for you to believe that God can heal you now. The past hurts need to be healed completely. God wants to heal everything, everything. Every little hurt deep inside, you got a little coming through. So even now as I'm talking to you, close your eyes. Just say, Lord, heal my heart. Just believe it and receive it. There is more than there. There is there is a couple other people in here that have that hurt from the past. And God wants to heal that. I see. I see hurt and brokenness in here. You know and. And it's okay to cry like Pastor Nancy said. And God wants to see that from more than one other people in here. That brokenness. But you have to believe that God is going to come and get rid of the past. But you have to be willing to give it away, sister. Carol, the Lord wants to do the same thing for you. So this is the reason why you sit back and you can't shout, you can't praise, you can't run to the altar because the past you're holding on to, you got to give it to him. Come on, you have to believe that he took it on the cross. Come, It's okay to cry, it's okay. God wants to bring forth the healing. The healing. If I can have a sister come and lay hands over her past, Nancy, can you go, Carol's sister right there, just pray over her. God's going to give you some words for her healing right there. Healing from all the hurt from the past. Right now, believe to receive the healing of the Lord Jesus. There is nothing the blood of Jesus cannot overcome. Believe it. you to know that it's okay it's okay to sit at his feet it's okay to rest it's okay to receive from him it's okay you don't have to work for him it's okay to rest at his feet and receive I feel like the Lord is saying that you question so much who you are. You question so much what you're doing. And God wants you to know that you are called. You are chosen. That your hands are made to work for his glory. That you're going to do amazing things for him. You have been called. You have been chosen. You don't have to question who you are. Who you are is in him. Find who he is and you will find who you are.
country. It's just the beginning. It's only the beginning. He's not finished. There may have been things that you've been thinking about. Maybe since the time you've been serving the Lord, there are things that you've wanted up to this point. God wants you to know it's only the beginning. You haven't even scratched the surface of what he has for you. He has not forgotten about the plans and the purposes for your life. There have been specific promises that he's given to you that you feel have been lying dormant. And he's saying, get ready. Because in this next season, he's going to start releasing them. young lady right here with the striped gap shirt. I don't know your name. Mariana. I just feel like maybe you're trying to process and take everything in and figure it out. But God just wants you to know that he doesn't want you to just figure him out. You don't have to figure him out. He just wants you to feel him. He just wants you to feel him. Can I get a young lady here to pray for Monique? I need you to come and lay your hands on this young lady right here. And I'm going to pray for you over the mic. Don't try to figure it out. You may, you're new to this church. You're new to this kind of teaching. Jesus is real. There's things that he's going to fix. Jesus, touch Mariana right now. Let your presence, your touch, your, your spirit, let your fire burn inside of her right now from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Let her feel your warm embrace, oh God. That every question, every thought of confusion is gone because she's met with you today, right now. Touch her, Jesus. That she will never forget this time that she met you face to face and experienced your presence. Jesus, I pray that when she walks away from this service, that she will be changed for the rest of her life. The way she thinks will be different. How she views her life in comparison to others will be different. Change is coming. And I just keep, I, I just keep hearing he's going to fix it. Whatever is out of place, whatever is broken, whatever is messed up, He's going to fix it. Brother M, the word of the Lord that came to me, this is the word of the Lord. No eyes have seen, no ears have heard of what God has for those who love Him. As you continue to love God the way you are, Brother M, God's elevating you right now, brother. He's going to give you a confidence, and he's taking it to a new level. That you, you can't even see yourself doing just yet. But you don't have to trust him completely, brother. And you have an amazing future ahead of the Lord to preach to multitudes, to preach to many. Continue loving and stay close to the Lord Jesus. No eyes have seen, no ears have heard for what God has for those who love him. Hallelujah. Vic. Brothers can pray for him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, recambabar. 
Rudy, Rudy Mestas, brother, you have to believe what God has in front of you. There's no time, there's no more going backwards, brother. You can't go back no more and look to the past. God is preparing a new way for you, brother. You have to look what's in front of you. You have to look what's in front of you. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Brother, you have to look what God has in front of you. You have to believe it. You have to believe as Jesus helped me to believe. Until it becomes real to you what God has in front of you. God wants to make newer what he has already created in you and you. Right now, brother, just receive what God has for you. Healing of the past hurts, the past mistakes. Every devil's lie to be gone now in Jesus' name. No more hunting of the past hurts. And everything that the enemy did is gone with in the name of Jesus. Believe it, brother. God has something great for you ahead of you. You have to believe it. Only you. Like Pastor Nancy was saying, only you will become your worst enemy if you do not believe what God has in front of you. Believe it. Let go of the past and get hold of what God has in the future for you. saying that you're not overlooked that he sees everything that you do every little thing that you do he sees it you might feel overlooked by people but he does not overlook you Rachel I feel like the Lord is saying that all the promises that he's given you Sometimes you feel like he's already fulfilled them, but he wants you to know that you've only seen the beginning of them. All the things that he's promised you, you've only seen the beginning. There's so much more. There's so, much, so many things greater that he has for you. You haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what he has for you. Everything he's done is beautiful, but he has so much more. Do not get comfortable in what you already have, but trust him and believe that he has more for you, for your family. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, if you haven't gotten a word here tonight, I want you to put your hope in Jesus, okay? We're not done yet. I just want you to keep your eyes on him. Monica, Jesus wants you to know that he is saying to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. My good and faithful servant. 
everything that you do for him. He doesn't see the action of it. He sees the motive of your heart. And he calls you pure. Because he knows that everything you put your hand to touch, you're doing it for his glory. And he calls you his trophy. You are his trophy. And he loves to show you off. You are on display to show off his splendor and his glory. Don't ever forget that. He sees your motives, that they are pure, that they are onto the Lord. Everything that you do for your family, your husband, your children, the ministry, your neighbor, everybody you call a brother or sister, he has blessed the work of your hands and he knows that you do it as onto him. And for that, he has you on display. And he's just showing you off. So keep shining for him. Because that is going to become contagious to the people around you. And they're going to start asking you, how do I get what you have? Give me what you have. Jesus. David, not only are you a soldier on, on this earth, but God sees you as a mighty soldier for his army, equipping the saints. You are his mighty soldier, high rank to handle what is happening on this earth in the spiritual realm. So just like you have the authority on this earth to do what you do in, in the military, he's saying you have military rank in my kingdom, and he wants you to walk in that authority every day of your life. Never take it for granted. Walk in the fear of the Lord and keep your eyes on him because there's going to come times this next season of your life that he's going to have you give words to people randomly, and you have to be obedient. They may not make sense to you, but he's imparting to you right now. Berto, lay your hand on his head. The Bible says, fan into flame. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. We release the gifts in your life, the gift of prophecy, words of wisdom and knowledge to break the yoke over people's lives, healing in Jesus' name to flow from your hands. It's a new season. Fresh anointing is coming your way, and it's not just a song. It's a declaration to you today that there is a fresh anointing wells that are going to begin to overflow. And just in your own prayer times, you're going to begin to experience his presence in ways that you've never experienced him before. And, you know, many times we hear it and it's cliche, but get ready because he is going to blow up in your family.
salt. Rudy salt, the Lord sees you as his shining star. Brother, God's going to use you in the ministry to heal, to bring joy to the brokenhearted. As his word says, that he is anointed to preach the good news and set the captive free, proclaim, proclaim freedom to the prisoner. Same word of the anointing is over you, brother. Enjoy your journey as you are, continuing it. You're being an example to many without even knowing it. Just continue falling in love with Jesus more and more, brother. so many things happening in your heart and you feel like nobody sees it but God sees you Isis and he has a plan for your life your mom calls you a princess but he need, you need to know that he calls you his princess you're not just your mom's princess you are God's princess God wants you to know that he is pleased with you. Your servant's heart, the heart that you have for him, he is pleased with you. He is pleased with your devotion. He is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. You've worked your whole life to, to get somebody to notice, to, to please man, but you don't have to do that anymore because God is pleased with you. Jesus. Elliot, I know you just knelt down. That's fine. 
you're very tender-hearted and your exterior is very sensitive. You're a sensitive man in a good way. You're soft-spoken, easy to get along with. You're nice. God wants you to know that there's a lion's roar inside of you. A lion's roar. Because like how the devil prowls around like a roaring lion so that he can snatch people. He wants you to get ready to let out that roar like a lion that comes from his throne. Send the devil back where he came from. So I want you to start getting ready to fight some battles, not your own, but with other people. Because it's time for you to start leading. It's time for you, Elliot. This is Jesus talking. For you to get to the place where you're going to make an impact in people's lives because you have so much inside of you to give. And the roar of God for holiness, the hatred of sin and compromise, it's going to well up in you. And you're going to fight other people's battles, not for them, but with them. You're going to be a source of strength to many people. So get ready to get to the next level. Amen. Let's just lift up our hands. Come on, would you just lead us in that simple chorus right now? Whatever one you're feeling. Come on, what's in your heart? We're just going to sing this together, and then we're going to journal. I just feel this is a good place to transition tonight. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And all my devotion belongs to this man. Come on, you may have received a word from a person's mouth, but it came from God's heart. Come on, just dedicate yourself to him tonight. This is a great worship song for all of us, isn't it? These words were meant to encourage you, to edify you. And if you didn't receive one, guess what? The Holy Spirit will speak one to you. Yes, God. He says his sheep know his voice. Just dedicate yourself to him. One more time, all my devotion. any other lovers come on sing it out I don't want any other love sing it out to Jesus and I don't want any other come on man it's okay to be in love with Jesus I don't want any other come on ladies he's the lover of your soul I don't want any other
lift up a shout of praise and a hand clap of glory. Amen. Can you slap your neighbor high five and say, God is talking? Are you listening? Come on, God is talking. Would you prayerfully just make your way back to your seat? We got just a few moments of your time that we want to take and put it towards the gospel.